Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We are going to do a series of episodes here that are all pirate sermons. I have been critiquing and critiquing and critiquing things so much, it's just driving me nuts. So I am going to do, to do some pirate sermons here on Genesis 14 and 15. These are two very, very thick and rich gospel texts, and I can't wait to do them. They're, I think they're going to be uh, really encouraging and comforting uh, to you. I know these passages are to me. I, I just love these passages because they speak of um, all kinds of things uh, and demonstrate, indeed, what our Savior has done to us, the links he's gone to secure our salvation. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm also looking forward to reading all of these uh, names from Genesis uh, 14, but uh, but hopefully we'll get through it okay. We'll see how it goes. But at any rate, we're going to look at probably four or five of these. So um, hopefully this will be uh, comforting, uplifting to you, and will remind you of the fact that it is finished. And Jesus painted all. Our sins are forgiven, and God loves us totally and unconditionally. I hope you enjoy it. Let me give my thanks out. Cody F. Miller, thank you very much for the use of your artwork um, entitled Balaam, which serves as the artwork for the podcast. Also, thanks to Michael Almquist and Five Iron Frenzy, who have allowed me to use their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World, which you always hear playing in the background here at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you to you guys. Um, also, as always, thanks to my ministry coach, Gene Talley. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, I'd recommend you contact Gene at revtally at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. My evil plan to save the world Just you wait till it's unfurled And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given me no offspring, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir. But one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. He said, O oh Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them into two, and laid each half opposite the altar, but he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abraham drove them away. 
Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I also will judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set, that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the, the, the river Euphrates. And may God bless the reading of his word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, this is, in my estimation, the most clear passage we have so far in our scriptures concerning the new covenant. God comes to Abram after these intense, incredible battles where where we see Abram uh, serving us in this day and time as a shadow to Jesus in, in his rescue of Lot. And then after that, like we saw in the last podcast, we see Jesus himself right after the shadow is given to us come in the person of the priest of Melchizedek from Salem. And as we saw from the preacher in Hebrews, who preached a wonderful sermon, by the way, (laughs) I thought so, uh, we see this high priest in the order of Melchizedek is indeed Jesus. And now, we go to Genesis 15, and, and the text tells us, after these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. We're shifting gears. And now Abram is no longer the shadow, but he's the one we can identify with here. Because Abram is going to be promised something amazing, wonderful, incredible. And God says to Abram, don't fear. Your reward shall be great. Now, in our um, do more, try harder, uh, health and wealth, prosperity type of culture, especially uh, in our church culture, a lot of people say, oh, you're rewarded. We're talking about material things. And this is what a lot of people think of when they when they read this. Oh, well, God promised to Abram that he would have great rewards, and so you know what? we're going to have great rewards, just like Abram. <laughs> but friends, the text is not talking about anything material. It's, even while God is promising a an abundance of offspring to Abram, which would have been the the greatest thing any person in, in that day and age would have wished for was a long lineage. That was really kind of how they attained eternal life in that day and time, how they understood it. 
this would have been the greatest thing for for Abram to have a, a long lineage. He still isn't even talking about that. He's not talking about material things, the things of this physical world. He's talking about something much deeper, much more penetrating. He is our God here, speaking to Abram, talking to Abram and to us about meeting the deepest need that we as human beings have, and that is to know that our God forgives our sins. That is, dear saints, the greatest reward we could ever receive. Abram answers back, as we so often do. Isn't that amazing? It's it's crazy to me. I do this all. Don't you? Are you the experience this? Where 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 you answer back to God? Um, after He said, "Your sins, which are many, are forgiven," and you say, "Yeah, but God, you know, blah 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 blah." There's this, that, and the other excuse about well, even though my sins are forgiven, I need it. And God says, "Wait a second, you don't understand." I've just promised you that I will forgive your sins. And you say, I'm not buying it, God. Either I don't believe that you forgive my sins or I don't believe my sins need forgiving. That's that's our response to that. And, and, and Abraham's response is the same way. He says, Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? That's who was going to get all of his stuff. And Abraham is very worried about this. And what does God do? I mean, personally, if I was God, and, and praise be to God that I'm not, <laughs> the, you know, that whole, that whole idea of um, there, some wag quipped, you know, um, I've learned uh, two certainties in life that, uh, that there is a God and I'm not him. Yeah, right. Let's just be glad that I'm not God. But if I was God, and you, you too, you think this way too. Or I was God, I would say, okay, forget it, forget it, Abraham. If you don't, you don't believe me, then you know, push off. Whatever, pound sand, kick rocks. But what happens? What happens? Abraham complains. You've given me no offspring. One born in my house is my heir. What does God do? He doesn't send Abraham packing the Lord continues to preach the gospel to him saying this man will not be your heir but one who will come forth from your own body he shall be your heir and he took him outside and he said look to the heavens and count the stars if you are able and God says to him so Shall your descendants be? Now something happens right here that's just astonishing, amazing, incredible, wonderful. Abraham, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gets it. Abraham, Abram, who is to become Abraham, Abraham, has one son. And that one son continues on. But but the promise here, and I, I believe Abram, Abram got this. The promise here isn't about physical sons. 
but about all of those who would believe on the one to come. They are indeed the heirs of Abram, who would become Abraham. And those, dear saints, those numbers are unfathomable. Can't count them. And something happens. The Holy Spirit descends on Abram, and the text tells us that he believed in the Lord. And the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now that word reckoned, okay? Let's talk about that for a second because I think it's important. That word reckoned, Paul uses that word. And it's rendered um, in the Hebrew and translated that way. But also, if you look at the Septuagint, the Greek, so you can kind of compare New Testament and Old Testament, Paul uses this exact same word, reckoned, which we take our term to mean is imputed, given, something that, that's like a, you take this thing that, that's, a, that's an essence of you and you give it to somebody else, you put it inside of them. So we could say that, that Abram, by the power of the Holy Spirit, believed in the Lord and it was imputed to him as righteousness. It was given to him as righteousness. That is what made Abram righteous and, and made him the one who would be the father of descendants that would far outnumber the stars. The Lord preaches the gospel to Abram in it. And Abram's skeptical. Come on, God. Can't be. You know, look at the circumstances. I can't possibly be loved by you. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how dark my life is. And when God could have said, okay, fine. God says, no. I will give you these things. And then the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon Abram and says, and then he believes. He understood it. And because of his faith and nothing else, no act, no righteousness on the part of Abram, but because of his faith, the writer of Hebrews tells us, it is reckoned to him as righteousness. And so, this text already is telling us that no matter how dark, how horrible our sin is, and it is horrible, I don't care who it is, maybe you've done some really terrible things and you know about it, and it's just like, oh, that's obvious, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I did really bad things. But then maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you think, like, in the, in the last podcast, you know, when I talked about, oh, I'm not that bad. Yeah, I'm okay compared to the next guy. If you're thinking that, then look deeper. Because your sin is there. Just as surely as the next guy's sinner. The, the next guy's sin. One reason why I love Luke 7 is that's the story of the dinner party. Where Jesus is invited and the prostitute shows up and crashes the party. Do you remember this? And this woman comes to Jesus and he's reclining at the table and she's standing behind him and weeping on his feet and drying his feet with her hair. 
and putting perfume all over the feet. And the Pharisee who invited Jesus to the house says, if, if he was a prophet, he would know who this woman was and that she is a sinner. And then Jesus tells him this parable of two debtors who are in great debt. And then one of the, one of the debtors is in a little bit of debt. The other one's in a lot of debt. And the, and, and the, and the creditor forgives both debts. And he asks Simon, Simon, which debtor would, be, would love the creditor more? And Simon said, well, I suppose the one that had the most debt. And he said, you have answered correctly. And then Jesus said, you see this woman? Since I came in, she has but done nothing but weep at my feet and wipe her tears with her hair with her hair on my feet and pour perfume over. And you've done none of these things for me. And he said to that Pharisee, I tell you the truth, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Folks, our sins, which are many, are forgiven. When, when the gospel does not penetrate our heart the first time, God doesn't just tell us, all right, forget it. He, he, he preaches the gospel deeper into it. And this is what he does here with Abraham. Until finally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he believes. And it's credited, credited to him as righteousness. And no matter how many, our sin, how, how many sins we have, and no matter how much we might, like Simon, not realize that we are indeed sinners just as much as, as anybody else, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, preaches that gospel to us over and over again until we get it like Abraham did here. And if you'll indulge me, Louis, I might this might be speculative in some ways. But but we see we see Abraham resist the gospel the first time, and then God comes back and says, "Okay, you know, you're just you're, you know, no, this guy's not going to be your heir, but you're going to have descendants like the stars." And then all of a sudden, he believes. I wonder if this wasn't some sort of like, like God had with Jacob, some sort of wrestling match going on here that, that the scripture doesn't. Um. Record. You ever have these things in your life? This wrestling match with God about the truth of, of your sins being forgiven? God says, your sins are forgiven. Can't be, God. Yeah, they really are. I, I came and lived and bled and died and rose from the dead and ascended. Your sins are forgiven. There are many, but they are forgiven. No, can't be God. Okay, let's try this again. Uh, okay, look at your life. It's bad. Is it, you see the, the bad things? If you need to, I can lay out my law for you and show you show you the depth of your depravity. All these things, all that stuff is that's forgiven. And maybe over and again, and over and over again, the Holy Spirit preaches this gospel to our hearts. And maybe the same thing happened here with Abram, and it's just not recorded. But at the end of the day, praise be to God, the Spirit gives Abram the faith to believe. And God says, and he just adds the tagline here, I, the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land, to possess it. And he's got some questions about it. God, how may I know that I will possess it? 
And this is where the gospel comes to us full force. God, how do I... That's You come to that point. Have you ever come to that point? God, how do I know that my sins are forgiven? Abram's asking this question we ask so often. How will I know that my sins are forgiven? And God says... Now bear with me on this. God says, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 17. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which which passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, the Kenite, the Kenizzite, the Cadmonite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Rephraim, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Gerashite, and the Jebusite. Remember when we were talking in chapter 14 about how the southern kingdom had broken the covenant with the northern kingdom and, and how covenants were established? And this is simply wonderful. Abram asked God, how will I know that these things will be? You ask God, how will I know that my sins are forgiven? And God says, do this. He says this to Abraham. He says, go set up the normal um, process, the normal sacrifices for establishing a covenant. Cut the, the animals in half. Remember this? Remember this when I talked about this in ver- in uh, chapter fourteen of Genesis, where the where the greater king would say to the lesser king, "Okay, you want my protection? You're going to pay tribute. Okay, this is the agreement, and to and to seal the deal, you're going to bring these sacrifices, cut them in half, and then you, the lesser king, are going to walk through the split pieces to indicate that if you break the covenant, just like in G- in Genesis fourteen, where they broke the covenant and hellfire came down on the southern kings you walk through the split pieces to say that if I break this covenant you can cut me in half just like these animals who are sliced in two but what happens when Abram brings the sealing of the covenant to God again I quote verse 17 it came about when the sun had set that it was very dark and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch that passed between the pieces. The smoking oven and flaming torch, folks, is none other than our Lord Jesus. I told you we had gospel within gospel and two appearances of Jesus. This is the second appearance of Jesus in two chapters in Genesis. Jesus, our Lord Christ, is the one who fulfills 
the covenant and takes upon him the consequences of broken covenant. Abraham's saying there, how do I know that this is going to happen? And God says, you know what? Because you're not going to fulfill the covenant. I will fulfill the covenant. I will walk between the two pieces. And we know what happens with Jesus. He is put upon a cross and mocked and spit on and had his blood plucked out and had a crown of thorns put on his head and nails driven into him and his spear stuck into his side. There's no question he's the one who walks through the pieces and takes the consequences of a broken covenant of of the consequences of us covenant breakers on himself. God knew Abram would not keep the covenant. God knows we cannot keep the law. But Jesus does it perfectly for us. And he not only that, he takes the consequences of the broken covenant upon himself. And that is clear here in Genesis 15. And then there's this little tagline on the end of all this, this Kenite and Kezusite and Cadmonite, the Hittite, blah, blah, blah. All these uh, people groups, evidently, that God is going to deliver into Abram's hand. Well, for Abram, these might have been real people groups. For us, that part's not exactly relevant, whether they were or whether they weren't. These represent... Sin, death, and the devil. For us, God might might as well have said, to your descendants, I have given not this land, but the forgiveness of sins. As far as from the east is from the west, instead of from the, 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 the river Egypt, as far as the great river Euphrates, God would have said, to you, I have given the forgiveness of sins, as far as from the east is from the west, they are forgotten, and sin, death, and the devil are defeated. That's exactly what God is saying to Abram right here and saying to us as well. Not that there's these geographical regions we're going to take over and these peoples. That is not even the point here. God is saying that sin that you think is too dark for me to forgive is gone. I don't even remember it. And not only that, the things, sin, death, and the devil that leave you defeated in this life and the life to come, they're they're defeated as well. It's taken care of. It is finished. I have walked between the halved, the split, sacrifice I as the greater king instead of having you walk through the pieces I have walked through them in my death and resurrection this is the good news dear saints and we know as the Holy Spirit has given us faith to believe like Abraham 
that our sins are forgiven, our deepest need is met. And all that we need, we have in Christ. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We are going to do a series of episodes here that are all pirate sermons. I have been critiquing and critiquing and critiquing things so much, it's just driving me nuts. So I am going to do, it, to do some pirate sermons here on Genesis 14 and 15. These are two very, very thick and rich gospel texts. And I can't wait to do them. I think they're going to be really encouraging and comforting uh, to you. I know these passages are to me. I I just love these passages because they speak of um, all kinds of things uh, and demonstrate, indeed, what our Savior has done to us, the links he's gone to secure our salvation. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to reading all of these uh, names from Genesis uh, 14, but uh, but hopefully we'll get through it. Okay, we'll see how it goes. But at any rate, we're going to look at probably four or five of these, so um, hopefully this will be comforting, uplifting to you, and will remind you of the fact that it is finished. And Jesus painted all. Our sins are forgiven, and God loves us totally and unconditionally. I hope you enjoy it. Let me give my thanks out. Cody F. Miller, thank you very much for the use of your artwork um, entitled Balaam, which serves as the artwork for the podcast. Also, thanks to Michael Almquist and Five Iron Frenzy, who have allowed me to use their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World, which you always hear playing in the background here at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you to you guys. Um, also, as always, thanks to my ministry coach, Gene Talley. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, I'd recommend you contact Gene at RevTally at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. My evil plan to save the world. Just you wait till it's unfurled.